0: Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby Say Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the cannel, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. There was this young man, there was this young man who wanted to be a team roper, Okay. Wanted to be a team roper. More importantly, have y'all ever watched team roping, especially like, you know, Ty talked about, you know, the the, the superstars. You go watch uh, um, the NFR on TV or something, and those healers, they make it look so easy. They come out, and they're just kind of swinging, and that guy heads it, and he turns the cow, and he just makes a corner and just lays it in there and dallies, and it's it's done, Right? Surely it can be easier. There's this kid that wanted to be a healer. So he goes and and he asks which rope he's supposed to buy. So he gets a rope and and he gets a dummy at home with the two swinging feet. And he practices every single night. Gets to where he can catch a hundred in a row. Loves. Breeds breathes team roping, watches every video, reads every book, tries every different, a classic rope, a rattler, and just all these different kinds. You ask this kid something about horse positioning, he knows it, blah, blah, blah. I mean, he's like, he's like Ryan Velger's dyke on the heel side, right? Yeah, look how his smile. <laughs> I got a smile out of Ryan. Anyway, he wanted to be a healer so bad. Well, he gets on a horse. He backs that horse in the box. And the header says, you ready? He says, oh, yeah. Gate opens, fires out, and he falls off his horse. Hallelujah! They catch his horse and bring it back to him. And he's, oh, my God, Man, I was so focused on everything else. And good grief. So he gets back on his horse, and the horse is kind of looking at him like, what, what was that all about? So he backs back in. And the healer, I mean, the header goes, you ready? Kid goes, yeah, I'm there. So he, he kind of hunkers down because those horses fire out of there. Steer comes flying out of the chute. Kid goes, and I mean, he puts his horse right there where he's supposed to be. He starts his, his swing, header reaches out there, catches it, turns it, and that horse turns the corner and just face plants him right there in the dirt. Just, pfft. golly, I'm so embarrassed. I can't believe what's, what's happening right now. They catch his horse, and you know they get everything. They like, try again, so he gets over there. He's like, man, this won't ever happen again. So he backs in the box, gets his rope ready. Header says, you ready? He says, yeah. He's, he's, he's ready for, for, that, for that strong coming out. They let the steer out. He fires out of there. He gets his time, and he's like, okay, i got to stay on. Puts a little pressure in that right stirrup so he doesn't take a fall and steer ducks off, and he makes the corner and just lays the prettiest trap ever, reaches down. And as soon as that horse hits the brakes, he goes right over the front. Cowboy goes out there, takes his rope from him, pulls his knife out, and cuts his rope in half, and says, "I don't care how good with a rope you are. If you can't ride your horse, you can't do anything else." That may or not be a true story about somebody, but the lesson is definitely true with it. You know what I have learned in the ranch roping aspect and, and it's just it's the same in team roping it's the same in 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 the jumping horses y'all ever seen that those, those i know we got some people in here that, that that do that i tried that one time there was a there was a a, a pasture on the rocker Bee ranch called brushy it only had trees in one spot and it was right around the windmill there's only that was the only brush in the entire pasture and it was like going into the amazon jungle and so we're riding down through there, and you're going single file down this cow trail to get down to the windmill. And I start looking, and it kind of, it's got a switchback in it. I mean, it's not really a switchback, but it kind of makes a curve. And I see these horses kind of jumping. Well, I was on this horse we called the Red Colt. He was like 12 years old, but we still called him the Red Colt. And so, anyway, they're going down there, and this buddy of mine, Lance Stone, is behind me. And, and I'm seeing that there's a mesquite branch about this high off the ground that had fallen over the little cow trail. I was like, well, if those people in them skinny britches can jump, I'm a cowboy. I got leggings on and pff, ride bucking horses all day long. I can do this. I was like, watch this, Lance. And so I got, because this horse, he would jump anything, right? I mean, you'd be loping out across the pasture, and there'd be a dandelion, and he'd plant both feet and jump straight up in the air. So I'd, I'd been practicing, right? So I get on him, and I'm holding my rope like this, and I'm like, I can do this. He's like, ah, oh, this ain't going to be no big deal. He gets right up there to that branch, and I go, Poof. well, I didn't like, but, you know, I mean, that, that's a gigging sound, okay? So I, I kind of gigged him a little bit, and sure enough, he jumped straight up in the air and over that. How them jumpers do it, I have no idea, because I lost both stirrups. I ended up in front of the saddle horn on my right shoulder, and how I stayed on is a miracle from heaven itself. I did not fall off. So I got the utmost respect for equestrian jumpers. But the point is this. If you ever wanna do something horseback, whether you wanna be a team roper, whether you wanna be a ranch roper, maybe you wanna be a barrel racer, I don't know why, but if that's your deal, that's fine, right? You wanna be a, bowl, a pole bender or goat tire, or run the keyhole race, or you know maybe you wanna do the jumping stuff, or. Or maybe you want to race. It doesn't matter what you do. There's one thing that you've got to be able to do. Before you do anything else, you've got to be able to ride. Because unless you know how to ride, you will never get very far. You're going to end up hurting yourself. You're going to end up hurting others. There is nothing will take the place of learning to ride. To the point that, you know... Um, one time I was out with Ty, and um, we were sitting there, and, and I was on my old horse, and he'll, he'll hog you. And you know what I mean by hog you is, uh, you know, if, if he thinks he can go back to the trailer, you know, you'll be riding this way, and he'll, he'll start drifting over towards the trailer because he knows where it's at, you know? That, that's just him, right? And I was trying to kind of work on that because, you know, kids have been riding him and stuff, and, and I was telling Ty about it, and he said, just make sure that every step he takes is... You know, sure enough, you made him do it. And I was like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. He goes, then why are you letting him do that? I was like, do let him do what? He goes, he just took two steps backwards. I was like, he did? I was like, no, he didn't. I'm so, wait a minute. Yeah, he did. And so I was trying to pay attention to this horse. You've got to be able to ride. You've got to know everything that you're doing. It's the start of anything and everything you want to do. Your dreams may be here, but they start on the back of that horse. I don't care if it's just trail riding or what. Spend time so that your dreams can come true. This is the part two of a two-part series. Not going to take up a lot of time. I changed some things around. But I've been talking about the big lie. Now, last week, if you were here, I, I asked everybody to hang with me because I said last week that there's one thing that Jesus never called us to be, and that was nice. Because that's, what, that's kind of been the focus of Christianity is to be nice to people. That if you're a Christian, you know, you're you just supposed to walk around and be nice to people. You can't say anything that anybody might take offense at or, or blah, blah, blah. Well, Jesus never called us and told us. Well, he didn't ever call us, but you know what I mean. He never told us to be nice. He told us to be kind. You want to know why everybody would rather be nice than kind? Because kindness gives away a part of us. Kindness is expensive. Nice doesn't cost anything. Nice doesn't change people, but kindness does. And today we're going to talk about one more, one more big lie that we've kind of bought into. Now, for some of you, this one may be even more of a stretch to wrap your mind around, but once again, hang with me until the very end, okay? In John chapter 6, verse 29, Jesus made a statement, and you know what? I've read my Bible. There's very few days that go by that I don't read something out of my Bible. And I don't guess I had ever remembered this verse. John 6, verse 29, in the New Living Translation. If you've got one of those King James Bibles, just read it, and then I'll tell you what it says. Um, John 6, 29 says this. Jesus told them, This is the only work God wants from you. And then there's a colon, two dots right over each other. This is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one that he sent. Believe in the one that he sent. What does that have to do with riding a horse? What does that have to do with anything? The big lie that religion has instilled in us is one that I'm guilty of. I am probably the most guilty, and I might have even unconsciously taught this. So I am repenting. I'm saying I'm sorry, but here it is. The big lie is that we have to care about everyone and everything. In other words, I think that one of the biggest things that we need to do as the church, not save the cowboy as a church, is quit caring about everything. Now I know what you're thinking, you're thinking, wait a minute, you're going to preach about not caring about everyone and everything? Like I said, bear with me for a little while, because in John 6, 29, Jesus says, the only work that God wants from you is to believe in the one that he has sent. Do not mistake that with that's the only thing God will ever ask you to do. But just like before you team rope, before you ranch rope, before you run some barrels, before you jump a fence, or whatever you want to do, you've got to be able to ride. And before you can find your purpose, you have to know that the only thing, the only work God wants from you is to believe in the one that he sent, because that's the basis of everything. It's the basis of our faith. It's the basis of our purpose. It's a basis of how we interact with other people. There was a, uh, I was in Odessa, Texas, and for y'all listening on KWL, 1070 AM in, in Midland, yes, I was in, I was in Odessa Walmart uh, there on 42nd Street one time, and, and, and I'm walking into this Walmart, and there's a, I'm, I'm at the checkout. Why do they have 27 lanes at Walmart. Anybody ever wondered that? I think it's just, I don't think half of them work. I think they're just dummy things that they set up. So there's 27 lanes at Walmart, and there was two cashiers, and this is before the self-checkout, right? Before long, we're going to be going to McDonald's. We're going to be cooking our own food and, you know, everything, right? So you, you see where the world is headed. And so, anyway, there's two checkers, and I'm next in line, but there's nobody behind me until a lady walks up, and she's got this Walmart deal on, and she's holding these brochures. She was trying to get me to get a Walmart credit card, okay? I need a lot of things in my life, but a Walmart credit card isn't one of them, okay? And she said, excuse me, sir, and I turned around, and she's good at what she's doing, because I think she was watching, because I had nowhere to go. I considered climbing over the bubble yum, you know, but I, I was kind of hemmed in, you know, kind of like you try to catch Fiona whenever you go to, you got to back her into a corner to catch her. Well, that's what this lady did to me. So I'm sitting there, and I was like, she goes, excuse me, sir. And I turned around, trying to be nice. Yes, ma'am. Uh, would you like to apply for a Walmart credit card? We'll give you, you know, free introductory rate and blah, blah, blah. I was like, ma'am, I'm going through the Dave Ramsey's uh, Financial Peace University. I'm trying to get out of debt. The last thing I need is, is something else. And she goes, oh, but it's good because, I mean, if you, there's no interest if you pay it off every week. And I was like, that's a problem. You know, I don't do that. So, you know, I'm working really, really, really hard. My wife's working two jobs and, you know, we're trying to get out of debt and anyway, she starts talking and everything, and I, she keeps pressuring me. So finally I say, ma'am, listen. I said, the Bible says that the borrower is a slave to the lender, and I don't feel like being a slave to a lender. I'll be a slave to somebody else. She's kind of looking at me, kind of funky, right? She goes, what do you do? I said, I'm a preacher. She goes, no way. <laughs> <laughs> Yahweh, I don't know. Yes, 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 I really am. It's not a joke, okay? I'm not a very good one, but it, I, I, am, I am that. I'm the guy that gets up and talks on Sunday mornings. She goes, I have a question for you. I said, okay. She goes, what do you think about Bible prophecy in regards to Jesus coming back? And I said, that's a broad subject. She goes, well, I've been watching the Discovery Channel. and um, <laughs> Listen. I'm only going to say this once, if you're getting your Bible theology from the Discovery Channel or Animal Planet, you're on shaky ground, okay? And may I just say this, all of you stupid preachers that are out there criticizing the shack for not being theologically based, it's a fictional book, good grief okay? It's a great inspirational story. It is not the Bible. It's a fictional story. You do not have to convince us that God is not a big black woman, okay? Good grief. It's just an illustration, All right, But anyway, so she's asking me, she's been watching the Discovery Channel, right? On Bible prophecy. And she's like, well, well, you know, in the second coming, Mog is Russia and and Magog is, is like Afghanistan and they're gonna do this and they're gonna do that. And I'm like, What what are you talking about, right? And I mean, she is going... I mean, she must have like DVR'd it or something because she's going into all of this detail. She had lost me like two sentences in. And I'm sitting there going... and, And she gets through with her dissertation... We had to jump out of line because I I was being nice and I didn't want to offend this lady, so I sat there and I listened to her. And she's like, so what do you think about all that? She's talking about the second coming and who the two witnesses were and all this and all this and all this and all this. And I looked at her and I was like, well, that's some deep stuff, isn't it? She goes, it sure is. What do you think about that? And I was like, I don't care. (laughs) You would have thought that I had just pulled out a Louisville slugger and went whack! And hit her upside the head. You ever seen those, those people? <gasps> I mean, oh, this chick is offended with a capital A, right? Anyway. <laughs> I, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, anyway, uh, she's a, offended, okay? And um, she goes, what do you mean you don't care? I said, ma'am, I can tell you everything about Bible prophecy that I know in two words. She said, what? I said, Jesus told me to be ready. He didn't tell me to figure out everything. He told me to be ready. And in Matthew chapter 25, there's a parable called the 10 bridesmaids. Now, the 10 bridesmaids goes like this. The kingdom of God is like a a, a 10 bridesmaids that are waiting on the groom to get there. And so they have to wait like all night because because the the groom is late in coming and and some of them five of them like fall asleep and they've got their lantern and the others stayed awake and stayed diligent and took care of the oil in their lamps. This was before you know the Duracell batteries and stuff. And so the groom is fixing to be there and these other five that fell asleep and didn't tend their tend their oil are out of oil now, and they they tell the other five, hey, share some of your oil with us so that we can be ready. And they're like, you know what? You messed that deal up by yourself, so go and buy some more. So they're like, fine. So they go and buy some more. Well, while they're out buying more oil, the groom comes in, and he goes into the house, and they shut the door, and they lock it. Well, the other five get back, and they say, hey, wait, let us in, let us in, let us in. We had to go buy more oil. And, and Jesus says that the, that the groom says, where were you whenever I got here? I do not know you. Leave. Just leave. You, you, you should have been waiting on me. You should have been taking care of your business. We need to quit caring so much. And we need to quit caring about what everyone else is doing, okay? Look, that, that sounds crass. I am not saying that we should not love people. Of course we should. But we go around and we worry about what everyone else is doing. Quit worrying about what everybody else is doing. You do what God told you to do. And what he told you to do was to believe in his son. It's the only works that God requires. Because everything else will come from that. But, but too often, what we want to do is, is we worry about if so-and-so's doing, doing their job over here. You, you know what? Here, here's something. I didn't even get to go to the roping yesterday. There's nothing I like better than roping except one thing. Doing what God calls me to do. I had to be with an awesome uh, family that attends uh, their dad and granddad had passed away and I went and did the funeral service. I I don't like doing funerals, but you know what I do like doing? I like being there for people. I like doing what God called me to do. And you know what I didn't do the entire day? I didn't worry about that rope and tie. I had it handled. Right. Who brought a duck? That's a first. Was it a chicken or a duck? I don't know. That was crazy. Don't squeeze your dog so hard. (laughs) But you know what? I, I wasn't worried about what everybody else was doing because I was doing what God called me to do. And you need to do the same thing. How much stress and anxiety do we put on ourselves because we're worried about what everybody else is doing? Quit worrying about everybody else. You tend your business, okay? It ain't your responsibility. You tend to you. You work on your relationship with God. You let other people worry about their relationship with God, and if God wants something from you, He will make it very clear. You do not have to go around trying to find something to do. Right! I like that dog. (laughs) You are not responsible for what someone else does, only for what you do. How much of your life is spent worrying about what everybody else is doing? Stop. That doesn't mean that you don't. I I loved everybody that was out at that roping yesterday. I didn't care what they were doing. I was doing what God called me to do. That was important to me. What's important to you? The second thing. In Matthew chapter 12, man, Jesus, I love that dude, man. I seriously do, man. I, I worship the ground he walks on, literally, okay? In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus is inside, man, and he's talking his daddy with people, right? Man, he's giving them, <laughs> he's, ha- he's got to come to Jesus meeting, okay? That's what he's having in this house, right? He's having a come to Jesus meeting in the house, and his mama and his brothers and sisters or somebody's family's outside, well, they catch somebody, because this is standing room only in this house, right? And so they say, go in there and tell Jesus that we're out here. Okay, well, that's Jesus' mama, right? So you've got to obey her, right? So they go in and they interrupt Jesus while he's preaching. And they say, Hey, Jesus. He's like, What? I'm preaching here. They say, Your mama's outside. Your, br- your brothers are outside. They want you to come out there. Jesus says, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Everyone that does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my mother. You know what we need to do? We need to quit caring about what everyone thinks about what we are doing. It's nobody else's business what I'm doing, okay? If you want to talk to me and ask me, that's fine. But you know what? We, we, You've got to do what God tells you to do. That's it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Do what God tells you to do. See, this is the difference. The body of Christ is made up of different parts. I love what my beautiful wife says. She says she's the big toe because she brings balance. And you know what? She's a pretty big toe. Wait, that didn't sound right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I meant beautiful. (laughs) Okay, that's it. We'll see you all next week. Got that bedroom ready? (laughs) You do what God tells you to do. You know what? I can guarantee there are going to be people that question you. There are going to be people that might even criticize you. We had a wonderful, wonderful deal yesterday, what Ty put on and and, and the rest of y'all. And there are people that don't even go to this church anymore because they were so against the idea of having cattle, which is fine. But we don't do what we do based upon the opinions of others. We do what God calls us to do. And you know what? Your journey is going to look different than my journey. My journey's going to look different than yours. You do what God tells you to do. And the first thing he told you to do was to believe in his son. Because that's where it all starts. Without that relationship, you will never move further. You'll just be out there roping the dummy. And you might be able to do it a hundred times in a row and you'll never get anything else accomplished. But when you start to learn to ride for God and you develop your relationship where you can know what Jesus wants you to do. When you can see what he's doing in your life and when you can know his will that's when your life starts to change. Quit worrying about what everybody else is doing. There's, you know Your mama's going to tell you, hey, stop doing that and come over here. And speaking of mamas, my mom went to my church. It was God's church, but you know what I mean. I hate political correctness. You all know what I mean. God brought me to Kiowa, Colorado. And when I told my mama that I was leaving, she went, no, you're not. No, you are not. And she bawled and squalled. And if you know my mama, she's a good bawler and squaller. Love her to death. But she's like, "Uh uh-uh. You ain't going. You're supposed to be here. Oh, now you know what I'm supposed to do? Well, of course, she's proud of me now. And and she fully supports us. And I, I love her to death. But people are going to try to stop you from doing what God tells you to do. Quit caring what they think. Care what God thinks. That's what's important. In Matthew chapter 5, we're kind of working backwards. We were in Matthew 25, then 12, and now we're in Matthew chapter 5, working backwards. Jesus makes an awesome statement. Did I tell you I, I love that guy? The dude is awesome. You should get to know him. Change your life. He says, when you're talking to people, let your yes be yes and your no mean no. That's all you have to say. Let your yes be yes and your no no mean no now that's hard for a talker like me that's hard for a nice guy like me that's hard on a guy who cares what you think that cares about what you're doing that doesn't is sometimes scared of being criticized for for not being at the roping yesterday instead of doing what god called me to do because i want i want to be sure that your pretty little feelings aren't hurt and i want to say yes or no, but then I want to explain so that, so that you're okay with why I said that. Stop it. That's dumb. Okay? Even Jesus said, I, I'm paraphrasing, let your yes be yes and your no mean no. Everything else is dumb. Okay? You are not responsible for other people's feelings. I didn't say go be a jerk. I didn't say walk around just seeing who you can tick off. But let your yes be yes and your no mean no. Because we need to quit caring about how someone else is going to take something. You are not responsible for other people. You are only responsible for what you do. Now we should conduct ourselves with kindness. Sometimes the nicest thing you can tell somebody is no. You want to see somebody's true character? Tell them no. Everybody loves people that say yes to everything, and how much has that got you in a wreck? How many times have you agreed to do something and said yes when everything in you wanted to say no because you were worried about what they were going to think or what they were going to say? Jesus says, quit caring about all of that. You do what I tell you to do. You don't let anybody distract you from what I'm calling you to do, and you quit worrying about how everybody's going to take what I tell you to do. If I tell you to do something, you do it. And if somebody asks you a question about it, you can say yes or no. And that is a perfectly acceptable answer in God's eyes is yes or no. You do not have to explain yourself. You don't have to explain yourself. And you don't have to justify your actions to anybody except God. And I guarantee you if he's happy with it, that's the only thing you need to care about. Now, word of warning there. You make sure you're talking to the real God, not the one that you make up in your head that is absolutely fine with everything you do. If you've never got a spanking, you lie to yourself. I get spanked. I'm black and blue as often as I get spanked by God. Obviously, I'm joking. But I get spanked all the time because I I don't do what I'm supposed to do a lot of times because I'm too busy caring about what y'all are going to think or what somebody online is going to say. How many times do we speak the truth and worry, we find ourselves not speaking the truth because we're too worried or we care too much about what other people think, feel, and do or what they might say. We need to quit caring so much about everything. I'm not asking you not to care about anything. It's, I, I, I'm saying the exact opposite. I am not asking you not to care about anything. I'm just asking you not to try to care about everything. What do I mean by that? One of my wife's role models that she looks up to, and I'm not going to say that I don't also, is a little Catholic nun that spent her life, her entire life, caring for the most poor people in the streets of Calcutta, India. What was her name? Mother Teresa. She cared about one thing. She cared about the poor in India does that mean that she did not care about the poor in africa no that didn't that that that's not what god called her to do there are people that care about the poor in africa and there are people that care about reaching cowboys with the gospel there are people that care about reaching their lost friends and so they put on a a a, a Branding to introduce people to the cowboy way of life in hopes that maybe they might hear the gospel. There are people that care about that. I'm not asking you not to care about anything. I'm just saying, you, I'm trying to take some weight off your shoulders. You do not have to care about everything. Let's say that you had a million dollars and you gave it to Save the Cowboy. We'll see y'all next week. No, not really. I'm, joking. I'm not joking. I mean, I, I, I got some plans for that if you got it. Um, seriously. And uh, if you had a million dollars and you cared about a million things, and it's just an illustration, and you gave a dollar to a million different things, how much of a difference did you make? You, you would have made a difference. I, I'm not. You would have, but not a very big one. But what if you were so passionate about one thing that you took that million dollars and you did just that one thing that you were so passionate about that God called you to? something that changed your life, something that you you eat, you dream, you, you think about every single day. See, God has called you to something like that. And if you invest, and we're not talking about money, we're talking about yourself. You throw a million dollars worth of your soul into that one thing, you can make the same type of difference that Mother Teresa does. But don't worry. You don't have to worry. You don't have to care about everything. You don't have to invest yourself in a million different things. You just need to invest yourself in two things. Number one, your relationship with Jesus Christ because He's the only way to God and He is all we need. And then when you develop that relationship, you know what will also be developing inside of you? is a purpose. You will develop a passion. You will A plan will start to develop where your life has meaning. But it's not going to happen until you develop that relationship with God And then once you develop that relationship with God, that plan is going to start taking place. And He's not going to ask you to do a million different things. He only asks me to do one thing. Tell you that He loves you and He has a plan. I'm not going to try to tell you that you have to go and do this and you have to go and do this. We will talk about a lot of things. But like my wife says, I don't care what He's telling you to do. Get off your butts and go. Do it. And if you don't know what that is, that means you need to develop that relationship better. You develop your relationship with God and when He shows you your passion, care about that. Care about it with every ounce of your being. Make God the most important thing in your life. Quit worrying about what everybody else is doing. Quit worrying about what everybody else is thinking. You are not responsible for anybody else's relationship with God except your own. He may and will call you to other things after you develop that relationship and God will start shining his light through you. He brought you here today because you've been worried. You've been in, in like one author said, a feedback loop. You didn't do something you were supposed to do and now you're anxious about that and, and now you're anxious because you didn't do what you were supposed to do but then you're anxious because if you would have done what you were supposed to do then somebody would have got mad and now you're anxious because they might have got mad at you and now you're anxious because you're anxious and it's just this vicious cycle that goes round and round and round. Stop it. you got one job. Believe in the one that God sent and develop that relationship. Everything else comes after that. Care about that because without that you won't be able to care about anything or anyone. I think that's enough. Let's go to God in prayer. God, help us to see what's important. Help us to understand that the only thing that is important is how much you love us. It is through this understanding that we tap into the ability to love others and make a difference. God, help us to ride away from the sins in our lives that keep us from truly knowing you. Forgive us for our failures and give us strength to become cowboys that you've called us to be. Amen.